The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi, it's Matt Jolly from warbirdradio.com. Listen, I am thrilled to have Dave Homewood as part of our broadcast family and bring your stories, the stories of the RNZAF, heard right here on Wings Over New Zealand to our global audience. Thanks for listening and hope to hear from you sometime at warbirdradio.com. This is Extended, the ETOPS Aviation Podcast. Here's Peter Johnson. We're in front of the Merlin. Can you tell us a little bit about the aircraft? What aircraft did you fly before? Uh, Suhoi 22. Right, okay. That's quite an interesting aircraft. Mm-hmm. What was that like to fly? Faster. Yeah. <laughs> Gareth Stringer. Make no bones about it. This is still a very capable aircraft. The cockpit's very cramped. You've got leg restraints on. You're sat on a seat that's got explosives in it. Tim Robinson. Also the A400M, got to go inside and uh, have a poke around with. Just uh, taking me on the trip of our lifetime in a F-18F Super Hornet. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. Extended! The Wings Over New Zealand show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Fly DC3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC3 Dakota and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. I'm talking with squadron leader Sean Parrott. Hi Sean. Hi oh, Dave, how are you? Good, good. I'm sitting here at uh, Central Flying School at RNZF Base of Hakia. Pretty cool to be here, looking out over the... Yeah, the runways here aren't too bad, are they? Pretty neat, yeah. Second story on the on the edge of the hangar, looking across in a beautiful sunny day. Yeah. Most days are like that in a minute or two. Oh! <laughs> I don't know what's changed since I was based yeah, here no. then. <laughs> so, um, can you take us right back to the beginning of... Uh, where did you get your aviation passion from and, and how did you end up in the Air Force? Um, it was something I'd always wanted to do. Um, my my grandfather, who I never met, but um, he was a First World War pilot in the uh, Royal Naval Air Service. Oh, yeah. And my, my father did national service in the Army and uh, I joined the RAF at the age of 21. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and what, uh, as a pilot, obviously? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. Went, went, uh, first day was uh, at, at Cranwell for officer training. And when I finished that, I went to RAF Linton on Ouse and started my basic flying training on the Jet Provost Mark III. Mm-hmm. After that, um, we were streamed as to where you're going to go. Uh, I was lucky enough to be streamed fast jets, so I went on to the Jet Provost Mark V, completed the basic 
uh, phase there. After that we went to RAF Valley in North Wales to fly the Hawk. Yeah. And it was about seven months there and when you complete that course that's when you get your wings. Uh, following that I went to um, RAF Chivna in Devon uh, to do the tactical weapons unit uh, where you learn how to um, kind of use the aircraft and air combat maneuvering and uh, weaponry and things like that. Yep. So that was it, that was a good course. Um, after that course you get posted to the aircraft that you've got to go, go, go to. I was lucky enough to be posted to the Harrier GR3 as it was then. Okay. And I uh, went through uh, 233 operational conversion unit at uh, RAF Wittering and was posted to number one squadron which is the uh, yeah, the premier squadron of the uh, Royal Air Force that can trace its heritage back to um, I think 1878 when it had when it had balloons in the in the, <laughs> the army. So it's a, yeah. Um, so I did a tour on one squadron, and during that time we, about very shortly after I arrived, we got the the new Harrier, which is the Harrier GR5. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a good time because we, we bought these brand new Harriers. I was I was a flying officer at the time, about 25 years old, and uh, someone gives you a 25 million pound jet to play around in, and there's no two-seaters and no simulator. So you just did the ground school and uh, yeah, got on the aeroplane and had a go. Wow. <laughs> yes, that was good, good times. <laughs> uh, after that, I... Uh, I wanted to go um, and become an instructor, so I went to RAF Scampton to do the Central Flying School, uh, we do a combined ground school, and unlike this country, where when you do your flying instructor's course, you do it on the aircraft to get a teach on. So uh, I went back to RAF Valley to learn how to instruct on the Hawk. Uh, I did three years there, uh, during which time I applied for the Red Arrows, yep. and uh, in 1994 I was selected to join the Red Arrows for three years, uh, which, which meant going back to Scampton, uh, and I was in the team for the 95, 96 and 97 seasons, obviously they're not, um, they don't go over the new year because that's the winter training yep. there. Yep. Um, after that, it was back to the Harrier, so I learned to fly the GR7 as it was then, and went out to Germany as a flight commander on four squadron. Okay. And um, yeah, did three years, three years on that squadron. Uh, but I was based in Larbrook initially, but um, this was in 1998, I think. Yeah, we were posted back to the UK as a squadron, and it was the first time that squadron had left. Germany since the war, so it was, bringing that squadron home was uh, was quite good. Yeah. Um, following that, it was sort of getting towards the end of my my time in the RAF, uh, and I'd had my sort of squadron leader tour flying. So what what usually happens next is a is a ground tour, and I opted to stay flying and, and became an instructor on the Harrier uh, at the the web, uh, sorry at the uh, conversion unit, which was then called Twenty Squadron. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, after that, it was kind of time for a lifestyle change, so I decided to move out to, to New Zealand and uh, 
managed to join the RNZAF. Okay. Well, before we get to the RNZAF, yeah. um, can I ask you a little bit more detail about your Red Arrows? Uh, yeah, sure. Three years in the Red Arrows. Well, what position were you flying? Um, I flew uh, three for the first year, five for the second, and nine for the last year. Okay. Um, so, very different um, display roles in each one? Yes. Yeah, yeah there were. So, the first, the first two seasons, three and five, you're in the front five. Which is um, yeah, that's quite good fun. But the uh, as number nine, right down the back of the formation, I had a, I had a ball doing that. It was really good fun. Yeah. It must be uh, like your skill level must be just go up and up and up when you join that unit. Yeah, well, we're very very lucky in, in the RF to have a full time uh, display team. Um, you do three trips a day, five days a week during training for about eight months. Um, after that, you go away to Cyprus, where you're guaranteed uh, blue skies, yep. and you fl spend a month in Cyprus and really put the polishing uh, for, or finishing touches on the on the display. You get given the uh, display authority by a senior officer then, and you spend the next four months displaying, which is, is great. And then you have a, a couple of weeks leave and start all over again. Yeah. So when you're doing the display uh, over that four months. I mean, mostly weekend displays, I imagine. Um, mostly, and um, most weekends are displays, but there's also some midweek fly pasts and things like that. Right, so, right, uh, yep. And in between, are you continually uh, doing display practices as well, or do not, you get some downtime? No, we get some downtime. Uh, once, once you've um, got display um, authority, um, you, I, I forget what the currency were, was, but you couldn't go without, uh, for instance, you couldn't go. 10 days without displaying, you'd have to do a, what's called an in-season practice, which would just be a full run-through at, uh, at base. Uh, but if it was only five days in between shows, you'd just do the next show, and uh, that, that would count as your currency. Okay, okay. But yeah, you, you know, doing close formation, and that's all you, all you do for, for three years, you get, you get reasonable at it, and uh, it's uh, yeah, very, very fortunate to have done it, and, and very proud, you know, looking back at the time I spent there, and had a, had a whale of a time. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's not just you know the RF um, display team, but it's regarded as probably the best display team in the world. So, oh, well, certainly by a lot of British people it would be, but there'd be a lot of French, Italians, and Americans that would disagree. Yeah. Uh, the thing about it is, it's uh, the display teams aren't aren't competing with each other. So, you know, it, it's you know we we all if if we meet up at a place, we we always get on very well, and that was it was great. We like I say, we weren't competing. Each each display team was doing the best they could with the aeroplanes they had. Uh, yeah, we weren't in F-18s or F-16s, but we could put a reasonable show on in the Hawks. Um, the people like the Royal Jordanian Falcons, they were flying extras, and, and they were very good for what for what they had. So it's um, yeah, it was all very friendly. There was no um, no bad feeling or animosity. But once you are a Red Arrow, does that? Uh make you stand out within the Air Force, like if you're just meeting with other Air Force people and they, do they all know who you are because of that or can you be a bit more anonymous if you're in, you know, back in a squadron situation? Yeah, after, after going back into, into the Air Force, once you left the Arrows, that, that, that's it, you know, you, you're a has-been like everyone else <laughs> and uh, you know, it was, you, you're back wearing, wearing green instead of red as a day job so you stand out a lot less anyway, but yep. uh, no, it's uh, people generally know if they talk about it, oh yeah he's a, he's an ex-red or something they 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 know but uh 
yeah so it's um it's good to have done it but yeah it's it's like um you know when you're in the red arrows you're, you're kind of a, a little bit you're not famous the team's famous yeah. and and it's a bit like uh you get get a bit of a celebrity status but no one would know your name really unless unless they're really keen so yeah if you're dressed in a red suit at an air show yeah you you sort of uh, you know talked to by by children and, and stuff which is which is nice but yeah. um yeah it's uh it's it, it was fun fun job i love love the flying side of it that was the best side for me did you prefer the red arrows hawks or the harrier what, what was your favourite airbase? Uh, to actually fly um, the Harrier, I think. Yeah, just just loved loved the Harrier. Yeah. Just so much, so much uh, power for for a little aeroplane. It's uh, it was great fun. But the Red Arrows tour was totally totally different, and uh, like that for different reasons. Yeah. And I'm sure that um, experience on both of those really made the RNZF just go, well, we need this guy. Uh, I, th I think I applied right at the time where the uh, where the jets had just been sold. So I think everyone thought, "Is this guy mad? You know, what does he want to come over here?" And yeah, they thought, "Does this guy have an overwhelming desire to fly the air trainer?" And that that certainly wasn't the case. But uh, it's where I ended up. So now I'm, I moved over here for lifestyle choice. I thought, you know, bottom line was it was a better better country to bring up my children. And uh, yeah, we we. All love it here, and we've got no no chance of ever going back to the UK. Yeah. So once you arrived here, did you have to go through uh, a course on the um, air trainer to? Yeah, just just specific to aircraft. Obviously, once once you qualified the uh, the RAF training system and the RNZF training system and air forces in general were, were very very similar. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the fact that I was a qualified uh, flying instructor in the RAF was good enough for the for the Kiwis as it would be going the other way. Yes. Um, yeah, so when I came over I was initially um, sent to for, uh, PTS, Pilot Training Squadron, to teach. So I did a conversion onto the air trainer. I went to Pilot Training Squadron for about, I guess, a couple of months yeah. and then sent to CFS. Okay. So uh, where I've, I've been going backwards and forwards from from here for for a few years now. So, and where what other units have you been going? Uh, from from I did a tour on CFS, then went to forty two squadron to fly the King Air back oh, to CFS, back to forty two squadron when they got the newer King Airs. So did a tour on those, yep. and then back to CFS again, or fourteen squadron initially, then CFS to when when they got the Texans. Okay. So yeah, I've been been very very fortunate in my career. So do you enjoy the multi-role stuff? Uh, multi-role, sorry. The multi-engine stuff with 42 Squadron? Yeah, it was something different. I've never done anything like that before. So, um, yeah, I'd only ever flown single-engine airplanes. So, uh, yeah, it was it was it was different. It was fun, and it was a it was a change from the uh, the air trainer. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed flying the King Air. And it's a very very capable aircraft for for what it is. Uh, great, great for New Zealand. Uh, great for getting up and down the country. So it's it's good. But um, yeah, I think my yeah my heart will always be in the the aerobatic sort of stuff. Yeah. Especially now we've got the Texans. It's uh, it's very very good aircraft for for what it is. Again, uh, for training our students, yeah. um, and they seem to be doing very well. The first course are doing doing well. How far into the course are they? 
Uh, they probably be graduating again, weather and airplane dependent uh, up towards Christmas, November, Christmas. Okay, somewhere on there. That's uh, that's another milestone for the air force, isn't it? Definitely, so? yeah. And I, th I believe that we're the first, or well, the only air force that trains pilots on, on the, this sort of aircraft from from day one. A lot of aircraft will, sorry, a lot of air forces will um, train them on something smaller with a piston engine first, and then yeah. then go on to these. Like the Australians will do their CT4B training yeah. before they put them on the PC9 shortly to be the the PC21. Right, and it doesn't make any difference uh, that they haven't done that um, no no I mean we we were aware that we would we would have to be uh, take it in, in even smaller steps for them because they've got nothing to fall back on but uh, no no they've, they've stepped up very well and uh, obviously we've got the uh, the training system about about right there'll always be um, ways that we need to finesse it and and you know we'll, we'll look after this course and say did that work or what we expected took would take five trips actually they all struggled a bit there and we needed six or yeah. or those those guys you know really nailed this and we we set five trips aside for them and it only took four or three you know who knows so uh, yeah so we'll have a look at at the stats at the end of the course and, and maybe adjust it as required right so at the central flying school you're training instructors uh, how to be instructors yeah, and you're also um, just checking all the standards of um, flying and, uh, and and of flying training across the the Air Force, aren't you? That's right. Yeah, yeah. We um, it, it's it's good good fun to train the the guys. So, so we're the instructors who only get to fly with good pilots. It's great. Um, yeah. So we we get guys coming back from the front line who have been Hercules or Orion or helicopter captains yep. who have proved themselves to, that they're good at their job. And they come back to the CF, back to uh, to us, and we uh, convert them to the the, the uh, Texan. And once they're fully converted to the Texan, that's when they sort of right get in the back seat. Now we're going to teach how to be an instructor. So uh, yeah, that, that's that's good fun. And so they're here for for about uh, yeah, between seven and nine months. And uh, yeah, cool. And uh, as well as the Texan uh, on on strength here, you've also got a Harvard. Yes. Yeah, and, and shortly we'll have the Tiger Moth back up and running yeah, soon, definitely. but uh, yeah, the Harvard is a, is a great old aircraft, I and mean, a lot of people fly them around New Zealand, and I think uh, a lot of people in New Zealand get very uh, yeah, starry-eyed when you when you talk about Harvards, or if they hear a Harvard, that, 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 that wine it's got in the engine, they, uh, yeah, they, they, yeah, it's a definitely a good thing for, for New Zealand. To, yeah. And you're flying it yourself, haven't you? Yes, I do, yeah, yeah. I fly it. Which is uh, yeah, it's a real treat to be able to do that because it's our our oldest aircraft in the uh, in the air force. It's been on the books since 1942. So uh, in September this year, it will be 75 years old. Yeah. And, so, and it still looks brand new. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> in very very good condition. We're very lucky that we've uh, had it looked after so well. Yeah, but when we got it, the air force was five years old, and the Battle of Britain had been over two years and one month. Yeah. Yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's an old aircraft. It must have trained a few pilots in its time, that aircraft. It, it must have done, yeah. yeah. And done yeah. a few other things. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so, um, also recently with the Harvard, it's it's had uh, uh, repaint into its wartime colours, which it just looks stunning. Yeah, oh, thanks. I'm glad, glad you like that, Dave. It's um, yeah, um, 
we've put it on the civilian register recently just um, because yeah, it's a money saving thing really um, to, to you know, freeze up our um, engineers to do other things and uh, we can do it cheaper on the, on the civilian register so uh, even though it's got no civilian markings on it, it doesn't need to um, yeah it's, uh, so it's still owned and operated by the uh, the RNZF. Okay. So on the civilian register, its maintenance gets contracted out to civilian maintenance? Yes, it does. It's uh, it's being done by Hawker Pacific at right. the moment, who do the King Air contract. Right. They've, they've been uh, absolutely fantastic. They've, uh, they're very, very helpful, and they, they really look after it well. And some of the guys there are as passionate about looking after it as we are about flying it. So it's a very good situation to be in for us. Cool. And of course, uh, the other aircraft that you fly on this base is the Spitfire. Yes, I'm very, very lucky. Uh, yeah, um, Brendan Deere asked me, well, I met Brendan about oh, 2008, so um, uh, through Peter Cochran, who used to be the historic flight commander, Cocky, and um, he was talking to Brendan one day and he said, oh, I'll introduce you to Sean. Uh, so I had a chat with Brendan and uh, I. The Spitfire at this stage was being uh, put together at fielding yep. and uh, I just asked if I could go down and have a look one day and said yeah of course and you know while I was looking looking around this sort of shell of an aircraft because it was that's pretty much what it was at, at that stage it was it definitely looked like a Spitfire but it had no cockpit instruments or seat or engine in at the stage yep. but you could definitely see it was a Spitfire and I was just standing there in awe looking at this thing and uh, Brendan said oh I've been been meaning to ask you you know would you be interested in displaying it for me and I sort of probably within about a quarter of a second I said yes <laughs> <laughs> as you would yeah and then then you kind of think oh yeah I've, I've taken on a big responsibility here it's someone's absolute pride and joy and yeah, uh, yeah got to look after it mm. Had you flown anything like that before? Just the Harvard. Right. That was the only thing, and I hadn't done any of that in the RAF. I mean, I went through the whole of my RAF career on, on jets. Um, didn't, didn't do any training on propellers or anything. So, uh, yeah, I'd flown very little prop stuff. I'd done a PPL before I joined the RAF. Um, so, no, very, very little. So, I was lucky enough to learn to fly the Harvard under... under the watchful eye of Pete Cochran, who was the uh, the guru, and um, yeah, he was he he was um, very very good in that in that way, teaching teaching me all the tri tricks and tips of Harvard flying. Well, I have seen you fly the Spitfire at air shows for several years now, and every time it's just a joy to watch. It's a, oh, always thanks. a beautiful yeah. display, and I was so lucky. I arrived here yesterday. Yeah, literally arrived just as you were taking off uh, okay. yesterday to do your it's test all, flight and it was just time. perfect. Yeah, was, the weather was great, it was yeah. really smooth, it was, uh, yeah, so it's just had its maintenance check flight, so uh, Brendan asked me to, sorry, just had a maintenance check for it, it's uh, yearly, and uh, he just asked me to take it up for a, for a fly, just to blow out the cobwebs, and it was, it was really, really good. It was, yeah, it was great to have a personal air, air yeah. display just as I arrived, I thought it was oh, great. Good. Nice low runs along the flight line there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. Oh, thanks. Um, and of course, uh, you're also um, heavily involved with the new display team, the Black Falcons. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, that's something we uh, 
we're, we're very keen on, on doing. Um, the Chief of the Air Force is, is very keen that we have uh, a display team in the RNZF. Yeah. Uh, the previous Chief, uh, I think, sorted out the name. Um, there were all sorts of, would it be called the Red Checkers, like the old team? Yeah. Uh, but then again, you know, the, the, we never really got round or why, why why are you guys flying yellow aircraft and called the red checkers? So we, I was quite glad it wasn't called the red checkers. I thought it might be called the black checkers, but uh, anyway, the name we were told was we were given was the black falcons, which is a uh, which is a yeah pretty pretty good name for the team, I think. Yeah, it's um it it also harks back to fourteen squadrons uh, older team with the Mackies, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. They they were called uh, I think. Falcon Black. Now there, it, w it wasn't actually the the Black Falcons then. It was because uh, their one of their squadron call signs for formation flying was was um, Falcon because of the the badge that they have on their arm. Um, yeah, so that was Falcon Black. So uh, yeah, not not exactly the Black Falcons, but as you say, yeah. very very it's, close yeah. to it. And it's good that we got fourteen squadron flying the same aeroplanes, and then they got the. Every aeroplane has got the CFS crest and the 14 Squadron crest on, and yeah. and the 14 Squadron white diamonds on the side as well. So uh, it's actually quite yeah. cool that we've just got 14 Squadron back. I mean, isn't it? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, a, a, a famous um, squadron name and number. Yeah, and, yeah, and um, I, I think uh, I think that was a great a great move by, yeah. by the Air Force to do that. Um, Quite often these squadrons go into the, the annals of history, and that's it. You never hear from them again. But it's it's great when they bring one back. It is. It is. And you know, a few years ago they did that with Number Six Squadron. They split their the sea uh, uh, sprites off from um, Three Squadron and made them Number Six Squadron and brought back a famous wartime maritime squadron. And yeah. I know that um, there's two units which have. Uh, uh, Evoked old wartime squadron uh, numbers. There's two two o nine squadron. Oh, mm. sorry, two o nine. Yeah, two o nine squadron, which brought back nine squadron, a famous um, yeah. bomber squadron. And then there's two three zero squadron, which yeah. brought back number thirty squadron. Right. And, and sort of associating themselves with that history. And yeah. so it's good to bring back a, an actual operational squadron yes. itself like this. So yeah. Um, yeah. Getting back in touch with the history is great. Yeah, it is very good. And yeah. Uh, it was formed in, uh, as you know, in Masterton, which is only just over the hill, mm. so it's, uh, it's kind of fairly local. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And of course there's, because it went for so many years, from what, 1942 through to 2001, there's a lot of 14 squadron guys out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, veterans and, yep. and all that. Absolutely. So they, they must be loving seeing it come back. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very good for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Actually, um, you flew the Avenger, didn't you? It is, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Uh, at the the big air show, the 80th, 80th yes. anniversary. Yeah, that was um, Jim Rankin, who normally flies the Avenger, was uh, uh, the display director for that. Yeah. So he uh, handed over the keys to the Avenger for me. With uh, I think he kicked me in the shins as well at the same time. <laughs> and said, there you go, Sean, through through clenched teeth. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was, uh, it was great. Jim uh, Jim taught me to fly the Avenger and, uh, again, taught me the few tips and tricks. And, yeah, she's a lovely, lovely machine to fly. I was I was kind of expecting it to be like a, a sluggish Harvard because of the size of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no way is it sluggish. It, it really goes, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big old beast. Yeah, big 2,000 horsepower engine. <laughs> 
So can you tell me about the Venom, flying the Venom? Yeah, the Venom was um, a great machine to fly. It's uh, the first, first and only wooden jet I've flown. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, John Luff, who's, who's the owner, had, hadn't flown it before. And uh, when it came into the country, uh, it was reassembled. And he asked me to do the test flying from it because of my uh, jet background. And uh, so I went up to Tauranga and uh, sorry, went up to Ardmore and, and did the uh, first takeoff out of there to land at Tauranga. That was it. He wanted a bit of a longer runway because I couldn't find any um, information on how much runway it took up to land. Right. So uh, I, I asked if I could land somewhere else and that was, that was acceptable to the CAA. Okay. Yeah, but it's a it's a high performance jet. It's more more high performance than the the Vampire. Um, it's a, kind of the bigger brother, isn't it? But yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, yeah very very impressive uh, machine for a 1949 design, I think. So compared with the jets that you'd flown before in the RF, and, yeah, and it, how, how did it compare? Was the whole generation um, different or? Oh, gen generation and cockpit-wise, yeah, very, very different, much older. Um, being a Swiss Venom, also it was uh, built built under license in Switzerland by Pilatus. Uh, a lot of the cockpit instrumentation and uh, labelling is in French, so uh, I had to rack my brains to my schoolboy French to uh, to try and try and remember what what things meant. Um, but yeah, it was uh, interesting, I'd, and I. I Literally just read the the pilot's notes a few times, and because um, there was there weren't many people around with with Venom experience, so uh, yeah, read the read the pilot's notes and uh, it went for it. Few it flew beautifully, and uh, it was a nice nice easy aircraft to to fly and to land. No no particular vices. Um, had to be careful with the uh, the engine handling because it's an old. An old jet engine, and they don't have the um, modern uh, fuel metering units on the on the throttles like the modern ones have. So you've got to be very slow with your with your hand on the throttle. Otherwise, you can end up surging the engine, and that would that wouldn't be good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when you're doing the the display flying at that, and I know you've done a few displays in it. Yeah. Uh, and those fast passes that we see, what sort yeah. of percentage of of power are you really using? Is it only part of the power that they have? Or? Uh, yeah, a, g a good proportion of it. It's it's up there, but uh, yeah, I, I haven't flown it for a few years, so I can't actually remember what, what RPM. Um, not the, all the jets prior to the Venom that I've flown had uh, RPM as a percentage, yep. so it'd be up around 100% for full power. Um, but the Venom was in revolutions per minute, so there was some ridiculous number on right. there. Um, but I can't remember. Yeah, it was the power was up there, but um, not at full power. There's no need to to cane these old aeroplanes and uh, look, look after the engine. Uh, um, what's it like for transiting between one place to the next? Uh, how far can it go before you have to stop and refuel? Um, if you if you go up to forty thousand feet it, without tanks, it would get from here to Wanaka quite happily. Right. Yeah, and, and reasonably quickly as well. Um, that that's where the jet jet engines are best at. But um, we we can't these days really with the the RVSM um, reduced vertical separation minima uh, to go up in the, in the, in these old aircraft because they haven't got autopilots and who knows how accurate the instruments are. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so 
transiting around about 10,000 feet um, is, yeah, it's obviously you can go pretty quick, but uh, I think from memory, around about 250 knots indicated. So that's throttled quite quite back. Yeah. And so not, not much, not a huge amount of power. It's still burning quite a lot of gas, but um, yeah, it's not, it's not super quick. Right. But you can go super super fast, but you'd, you'd run out of fuel fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah. But it's obviously yeah. got a lot more range than the Vampire had. Uh, I never flown a Vampire, so I'm not sure. But I think, uh, yeah, John's got the uh, the tanks on his, so it, it can go a reasonable distance. Yeah. yeah. I just remember people saying that the Vampire, by the time it taxied out to the end of the strip, half of its fuel was gone. So. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. These, these old jets, they can uh, they can really guzzle the fuel. I think it was I think it's using, from memory, something like oh, two two hundred liters a minute on takeoff. Wow. Yeah, so that um that puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Holy uh, moly! Yeah. That's like four kegs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a big decent size hose, I think. I may have got that totally wrong, but I think it's that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And of course, um, you were saying that you also were one of the test pilots with the uh, Ever Anson. Yes, I was uh, again lucky enough to be asked by by Bill and Robin Reed to to test fly the Anson with uh, along with Dave Phillips, who's a a very experienced warbird pilot. And uh, yeah, Dave did the first trip, and I was lucky enough to do the second trip. And yeah, it was a beautiful machine to fly. Lovely. It certainly is. Uh, mm. What a magnificent, uh, not just magnificent aircraft itself, but uh, restoration as well. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. It's like a museum inside. It's yeah. uh, it's fantastic. And yeah, credit to, to Bill and Robin to have, to have done that. It's uh, very good. So um, after the test flying, did, did you, was that it? No carrying on with any No, flying? no. I've, I've done a bit bit more after that. Okay. So uh, yeah, I, I need, need to go down and have a chat with Bill and fly it again. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've, I've I've been busy doing other stuff recently, but uh, I'd love to fly it again. And uh, yeah, Bill Bill's um, happy for me to fly it. It's quite a repertoire, isn't it? You've got the Spitfire, you've got the Black Falcons team, you've got uh, the Avenger, the Venom. Yeah, I've, I've that's that's half an air show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm very very lucky. I, I wouldn't. Uh, ever attempt to fly all, all those types at one air show that would just be too much but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah no it's uh, I, I i do appreciate that i'm a, in a very privileged position and uh yeah i'm very very lucky cool so uh what's your your outlook for the future um you're going to keep on training as long as you can be like big cochran <laughs> <laughs> i wish yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm still enjoying flying. I really, really love it. Um, yeah, every, every every trip I'm still learning something, which is great. Yeah, I, th I think uh, the day I have a perfect sortie, I'll, I'll retire on it. I think that's good. I've done it. Yeah, but, uh, I'll, I'll never get there. So I, I keep I keep trying for it, but I'll never get there. No, I'm, I'm still enjoying the flying very much. Um, yeah, so so we'll see. Is yeah. the answer? Yeah. yeah. So have you got any sort of desires uh, to fly some other warbirds? Would you like to? Yeah, I would. I would love to fly lots of others, but yeah, uh, yeah nothing, nothing in particular. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I would, yeah, lots. Cool. Yeah. And uh, what would you say to people out there, 
particularly younger people thinking about getting into uh, the Air Force and flying? Oh, absolutely, go, go for it. It's a, it's a great career. Um, like any job, it's it's got its high points and it'll have its certainly have its low points as well. But uh, yeah, I've I have no regrets, and I've I've been lucky enough to be in two air forces, and I've had you know I've had a, a great career, uh, you know, for for, for flying. Um, sure, you can go and get more hours and, and probably more money if you if you go and join the airlines. But uh, yeah, it's for varied varied flying. You you're better off doing it in the Air Force, I think. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Thank you very much, Sean. Pleasure. Cheers. That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.